Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. From the heart of the Carolinas, aiming the cannon of truth at strongholds of stupidity. Who, who are black people supposed to call? Ghostbusters? So we need to stop that beef on or impoverish the cops crap. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. And good morning. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to be back with you for the start of another broadcast week. Are you ready? Are you ready to jump right in to start another Work week, school week, whatever you may have going on. Hope you had a great weekend, an opportunity to unplug, to relax for a little while before jumping right back into the madness. And the madness certainly has not left us, has it? I want to begin with a couple of encouraging stories. In fact, I have three of them that I want to begin with. I want to use this as an opportunity at the very beginning to articulate a very important conservative constitutional value. And it is this, that we follow the Constitution, period. And we do not allow ourselves to fall into the tyranny of good ideas. You see, people can suggest things that may be good ideas, they may be bad ideas. But let's assume that it's a good idea. A good idea done the wrong way is bad. And it's always bad. You know, I'm not being flippant when I talk to you on this broadcast. And I make the comment about the need for certain people to watch Schoolhouse Rock. It's really not any more complicated than that. And the reason I say this is because this is basic constitutional stuff. And frankly, anybody who has any sense whatsoever ought to understand this. Now, I do think there are people in our country right now who have nothing but contempt for our Constitution and figure out all the ways they can go around it, under it, above it, just avoid it. So they can pretty much do whatever the heck they want. We had a texter, in fact, a few weeks ago, talking about the potential benefits You know, and I assume this is a person who is probably on the conservative side. And yet they were also saying, you know, with this student loan forgiveness thing, this actually could help position us for missionary service by helping to get rid of some of our our debt. Good thing, right? I would support that for their benefit. But having said that, I do not believe that any president has the power to, with the stroke of a pen, do something like this with this so-called student loan relief program. 
So what is the good news on this front? What happened late on Friday? A federal appeals court issued an administrative stay that temporarily blocks President Joe Biden's plan to cancel billions of dollars in federal student loans. The Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals issued the stay while it considers a motion from six Republican-led states to block the loan cancellation program. The stay ordered the Biden administration not to act on the program while it considers the appeal. This comes just days after people started applying for loan forgiveness. Now, one of the mysteries, how long will this stay stay in place? And what will be the impact on those who have already applied? So the Biden administration, they've got a deadline. Five o'clock central time today to respond to this. The attorneys for the Republican-led states asked the court to reconsider their effort to block the Biden administration program to forgive the student loan debt. A notice of appeal to the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals was filed Thursday, hours after U.S. District Judge Henry Autry in St. Louis ruled that since the states of Nebraska, Missouri, Arkansas, Iowa, Kansas, and South Carolina failed to establish standing, the court lacks jurisdiction to hear this case. This is one of the most frustrating things that I see. I'm sorry, you don't have standing. Really? Separately, the six states also asked the district court for an injunction prohibiting the administration from implementing the debt cancellation plan until the appeals process plays out. Now, speaking at Delaware State University, historically black university, where the majority of students receive federal Pell Grants, Biden said nearly 22 million people have applied for the loan relief for the week since this administration made its online application available. The plan, as announced, would cancel $10,000 in student loan debt for those making less than $125,000 or households with less than $250,000 in income. Pell Grant recipients, who typically demonstrate more financial need, will get an additional $10,000 in debt forgiveness. The point of all of this, and I think this is the central question, does a president have this authority? It's really that simple. What's happening here is one man is making a decision, I believe, needs to be made by Congress. Now, if Congress wants to come up with legislation on this and the president agrees to sign it, that's one thing. We can all agree or disagree on the program itself. But I stand firm on my conviction. No president has this authority. And I'm glad the court has stepped in. Where this goes from here in the court system remains to be seen. But this is a positive development. Another encouraging development, also in court. Have you been disgusted as I have been? watching, listening to all of these so-called health officials, their contradictory counsel, advice, directives about COVID the last couple of years. And you would think these folks 
have come from Mount Sinai to meet God and have come back with directives and commandments on tablets that all of us have to follow. That's the way they behaved, especially Fauci, Mr. I Am Science. And one of the egregious things they've done along the way is they've clearly gotten social media companies to participate in this stranglehold on information that is contrary to the official line. So what is done about this? Well, we have another lawsuit, this one dealing with free speech. We're going to talk about who has filed this and what the goal is. Hopefully something important will be uncovered in this process. We will talk about this and much more as we continue our Monday broadcast. Stay with us. If you would like to join the conversation, the Ingalls Markets Talk Line, 800-928-1110. It's 800-928-1110. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. And on that text line, let's begin here. Vince, you have to remember, Democrats think people who believe in the Constitution are extremists. (gasps) That's right. I forgot about that. On these court casts, Court cases. This texter would like to know who has standing. That's a very good question. Another person raises this question. How can we not have standing? The bailout will be paid using federal tax dollars without regard to state borders. Exactly. Stop saying debt forgiveness. It's debt redistribution. Isn't that the truth? Before the break, we started talking about another important court case. This one filed by an attorney general. The attorney general of Missouri. His name is Eric Schmidt. He said Friday afternoon a federal court granted the state's request for depositions from top-ranking Biden administration officials. The court has granted our request to depose Dr. Anthony Fauci, former White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki, FBI Supervisory Special Agent Elvis Chan, and other Biden administration officials relating to collusion with social media to suppress free speech. By the way, Mr. Schmidt is the Republican nominee for U.S. Senate in the state. It will be very interesting to find out what he's able to uncover in these depositions. And again, what's at stake is free speech. You know, it's an example of what I've warned you about repeatedly on this broadcast. It's not just big government. We now have collusion between big government and big business. Remember I warned about this some years ago? And I think this started under the Obama administration. So we don't have to do a frontal assault on guns with legislation. Let's just start pressuring the banks 
not to make money available for gun manufacturers or gun shops, whatever it is. Let's financially starve them. Now, the government can't do that. But if they've got friends in these big businesses, they can successfully twist arms and get people to go along with their cause. This is what's happened to free speech. It's one thing for Twitter to unilaterally make that decision, although I might disagree with it. It's another thing when you've got big government making a call over to Twitter or Facebook or whomever and saying, hey, we don't like some of the information that's going on on this subject. Would you help us? That's unconstitutional. Frankly, it's un-American. And it's been going on for quite some time. We've seen this displayed numerous times during this entire COVID issue. So these officials are accused of colluding with social media companies to censor freedom of speech on a number of topics, including COVID. After finding documentation of a collusive relationship between the Biden administration and social media companies to censor free speech, we immediately filed a motion to get these officials under oath. It's high time we shine a light on this censorship enterprise and force these officials to come clean to the American people. And this ruling will allow us to do just that. We will keep pressing for the truth. I wish these folks well. The Attorney General of Missouri, I applaud him for taking on this case. You know, win or lose, I think we're going to uncover some things here. Some very important things. Love to get your thoughts on what will be the outcome of this, if anything. Another item of good news, and I preface this by reminding you again, please be careful. Do not assume, and I'm a little nervous about even sharing this kind of information, (laughs) the story I'm about ready to share, because I don't want there to be an un- unnecessary amount of exuberance that would manifest itself in people being lazy and not showing up to vote. And again, I remind you, it's time, it is time to go out and vote if you are in both states. Early voting underway in North Carolina. It's been underway for several days. And I believe it starts today in South Carolina. We'll have a story about that coming up in just a bit. Go vote, ladies and gentlemen. Do not assume, do not presume forget about all the stats the way things work out in history it still requires your vote at the end of the day so remember that wanted to make sure you understand (laughs) I believe that if things continue on the course they are on Election Day could be very, very tumultuous. Now, I would be quite intrigued to see 
not just the Republicans taking the House and the Senate, but governorships across the country. The possibility of deep blue areas, losing seats to Republicans. I think it could very well happen if things continue as they're going. You want to hear a perfect example? Breitbart reporting on a shocking new poll that puts Representative Lee Zeldin just slightly ahead of Governor Kathleen Hochul in New York's governor's race. You want to talk about as blue as you can possibly get. New York State, ladies and gentlemen. The coefficient poll found 45.6% of likely New York voters support Zeldin, just ahead of Hochul's 453 that is razor thin. Then, and, I, and I've got to tell you, folks, think about it. New York State, it should not be this close at all. 0.3% margin? This is unheard of, New York State. By the way, this particular pollster is the very same pollster that predicted Governor Glenn Youngkin's victory in Virginia over Terry McAuliffe last year. I'm telling you, folks, Democrats have to be in a panic. Now, we're going to tell you what they're already conniving to do, and I do say conniving, ahead of the possibility, in fact, as it's looking now, the likelihood they're going to get their rear ends kicked on election night. Yes, they're already conniving. But I'll tell you what, it will be something else if Zeldin wins this race in New York State. And and again, if that happens, it's going to be an ugly night for Democrats. Stay with us. Over on the text line, Vince, I just turned on an ad on my favorite radio station paid for by the taxpayers via the FDA. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. For the new improved COVID vaccine. Promoted for kids five years and older. Yikes. Sweden's public health leaders no longer recommend COVID shots for kids under 11 years old. Same deal in Great Britain. Not recommended for kids under 18. Wonder what their research is telling them. In my humble opinion, a child has a better chance of getting struck by lightning while hiding in their closet on a sunny day than dying from COVID. The reason... The COVID shots remained under emergency authorization. If the shots had official approval under normal use, they would be pulled off the market due to the number of deaths and adverse reactions. That's for Max out of Fort Mill. We also have this, Jim, out of Simpsonville. Good morning, Vince. I just voted at County Square in Greenville, South Carolina. No lines. Go now. Go now. And I encourage you, anyone within the sound of my voice, go vote. Go ahead and get it done. And don't just vote. Find other like-minded, like-hearted people and encourage them to vote as well. Just do it. Get it over with. (laughs) And hopefully you're able to do it wholeheartedly. 
and vote for people that you love and appreciate, I mean, I'm sure along the way there are people you'll just kind of hold your nose and vote for. I get it. So before the break, I was telling you about what's happening in the state of New York. (laughs) It's not a pretty picture for the Democrats. Three-tenths of percent is the margin right now in that race. It should not be that close in either direction. But right now, the Republican is ahead. Zeldin has the advantage over Hochul primarily due to increasing support among, are you ready for this? Registered Democrats. This is according to the pollster. This race has been tightening over the last few weeks and appears it's now a dead heat. The shift has been led by predominantly white and Hispanic registered Democrats defecting to support Veldin, the Republican candidate. Ladies and gentlemen, did you just hear what I said? White and Hispanic registered Democrats. Boy, this really has to have them in a panic. Additionally, the poll found that Zeldin has a higher favorability rating than Hochul, whose favorability numbers are lower than President Joe Biden's. That's big trouble for her. She may be toast. You know, with just a few weeks out, does she have time to fix that? Survey found 40.8% of voters have a favorable opinion of Zeldin. When you're under 50%, you're in trouble when you're an incumbent. Zeldin at 40. Hochul at 36.5%. 2% lower than Biden's numbers. Zeldin maintains a significant advantage over Hochul among independent voters. 47% support Zeldin. 36% support Hochul. Zeldin telling the New York Post... The stakes couldn't be higher. The polls could not be closer. We need every single New Yorker who is sick and tired of the attacks on our wallets, safety, kids' education, and more to come out to vote and save our state. This is our last chance to turn New York around by firing Kathy Hochul, electing new leadership to restore balance to Albany, secure our streets, and put hard-working New York families first. By the way, Zeldin has challenged Hochul to accept multiple TV debates ahead of the November election. They're only scheduled to debate one time, two weeks before the election. Zeldin noted that Hochul took office after disgraced former Governor Andrew Cuomo resigned amid accusations of sexual assault, has not been elected to the office she holds. Hmm. <laughs> I'm telling you, folks, this could be really entertaining election night. And I hope he pulls this off. One thing I do not like is presumption and assumption when it comes to votes. When people presume and assume that certain people are theirs for the taking. All I have to do is put my name on the ballot, put a letter behind it, Republican or Democrat, and you're going to show up to vote for me. No, you need to earn the vote. And if you've been in office, what is your record? What have you done while there? So keep your eyes on this one. 
ladies and gentlemen. We heard the text earlier from the voter in South Carolina. Today is the first day of early voting, and it's not started well. In fact, I'm going to check out this website to see if it's back up yet. But you want to talk about something that is not a good start. How about having a website that is not functioning? That's exactly what's happened. The South Carolina election website down this morning on the first day of early voting. It's the website scvotes.gov. In fact, I'm going to take a look now to see if it's back up. When I checked a few minutes ago, it was still down. Giving that notorious 404 error message. And I have, at this point, nothing. A blank screen. And this is what people were getting. They were getting that 404 message. That's what I had earlier. The Election Commission saying we're currently working to resolve the issue. Voters can contact their local election directly in the meantime. The SC Votes Facebook page, it's actually working. And online voter registration is working. Okay, this is telling me the site cannot be reached. So, so scvotes.gov is not operational. <laughs> on the first day of early voting in South Carolina. Over on the text line, Vincent, it doesn't matter who wins New York. It's a lost cause. I wouldn't completely assume that. Wouldn't it be great to see a turnaround in that state? Wouldn't that be kind of cool? I know many New Yorkers who are Democrats that are voting Republican this election. Yep. Vince, we're supposed to vote on Election Day. Voting early only gives the radicals an idea of how much they need to cheat by. That's the point of Election Day. And only early voting for certain exceptions. That is from J.D. I respect your concern. A lot of people share your position. Stay with us. So yesterday afternoon, I had a good friend who was taking part in a uh, a gospel music performance at a church. This was in North Charlotte. Had a great time there. Almost didn't go. I was so tired. You know, when you have a long week, you're you're at least for me. Rest is something I really value. A lot of times on sat on Sundays. So <laughs> I rested for a while. I was like, okay, I've got to get it. Got to go and go to this event. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I was late. It was supposed to end at 5.30, wrapped up around 6 o'clock. And I was supposed to go to a friend's place for dinner. 
So I get over there, and as uh, we're preparing dinner, uh, my friend mentioned he had gone to the Panthers game. That oh, how cool! <laughs> and my next question was, how bad was it? <laughs> my assumption was it was not going to be good. But I was quite intrigued to find out what really did happen. Get a load of this headline. For the second week in a row, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers suffered a shocking defeat to a seemingly inferior opponent, falling 21-3 to the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. Who would have imagined this would be the headline that we would actually see? This was quite a shocker. And I think there is certainly uh, agreement with that. I'm going to assume that from Chris McLean, who joins us now. Mac Attack, WFNZ. Um, surely you're not going to tell me you predicted this, Chris. <laughs> I was with you on Friday after the McCaffrey trade, and I was pretty much th- figuring we, we had packed up the winning for the season. I'm not going to lie to you, Vince, but it was a pleasant <laughs> surprise. It really was. The defense played amazingly, holding Tom Brady to nothing but a field goal, kept them out of the end zone. Uh, they were absolutely amazing as a unit, even with a couple of key guys out still on that defense in J.C. Horn and, and Jeremy Chin. And then on offense, they tra- we trade the star running back, probably the best running back we've ever had in the history of this franchise. Right. And then Devontae Foreman and Chuba Hubbard said, that's all right, we're going to go run for 173 combined yards. The offensive line was so good. P.J. Walker a man that it felt like they were afraid to let throw last week downfield. It was all short stuff, screens behind the line of scrimmage. He goes out there and he's slinging the ball around like he's Tom Brady. Like it was it was an amazing day for Panther fans. Unexpected, but definitely a fun one. You know what? It kind of raises the question here too that is it possible along the way that there are basically players in waiting who are uh, ready to to jump in, and perhaps we can see performances that we uh, had not anticipated. There's some secret talent here that we've not been aware of. There was definitely a ton of guys that stepped up yesterday. Like P.J. Walker, think about him. He was the fourth choice at quarterback in training camp. We all, because they drafted Matt Corral in the third round, and we thought he would be the third-string quarterback. It would be Baker and Sam, uh, Sam Darnold, and then... Everybody thought P.J., well, all he's doing is trying to put some tape out there in the preseason that hopes that someone else wants him to be a backup. And I'll be danged if he didn't play. That was by far the best quarterback performance of the season so far. And it might be the best quarterback performance since Cam was healthy about four years ago. I mean, he was really good. And then the running backs, I think you might be alluding to the running backs too, right? guy like Devontae Foreman. He had a 60-yard run yesterday, Vince. He, he, the offensive line was great, opening up holes for these guys all day. But he got out into the open space, and I, I, I had no idea he had that burst. It was, it was crazy. It was, and, and, and I think there is a point there of why running backs in this league are kind of not valued like they used to. There is a belief that as long as your offensive line can open up the holes, you can be successful with a lot of different guys running in this league. So I, I think that that is kind of why... You know, the the running back position is thought of differently in this league, but there's no doubt guys stepped up. Heck, look at Steve Wilkes, too, a guy who, you know, is born and raised in Charlotte, North Carolina, and coaches his team to victory in his hometown. I mean, there there were just a lot of cool stories, and uh, I feel good for a lot of those guys. I, I'll tell you this, though, Vince, I still don't know what the heck to expect next week in Atlanta, though. I can't, How are we going to figure this team out? <laughs> you know, and, 
Is there any part of this that you can bottle up and and kind of reproduce, uh, or is this something that's just got to be reinvented week by week uh, with the team and the place that it's in now? Kind of in a, I don't know how you would characterize this, uh, a team under construction. There does seem to be one, like one thing, a couple things that, that I feel like will carry over. One is the defense. The defense brings it just about every week. Now sometimes they kind of fade in the second half. Because the offense is not possessing the ball and the defense is basically, you know, dying of fatigue by the second half. Yesterday, that wasn't the case. The offense did their part. Um, but I think the defense will be there just about every week. Also, I feel like there's an energy over there, Vince. The Panthers released a couple of, or, or a video of Steve Wilkes handing the game ball to quarterback PJ Walker and then David Tepper coming in and handing another game ball. Wilkes didn't know this was coming, handing another game ball to Steve Wilkes. And that locker room went crazy. You can tell they are playing for him. And he also, Wilkes also said something in the presser yesterday. His first, before he even got asked a question, he made his opening statement about the win and how proud he was of the guys. And he says, the, the men in this locker room will never tank. And I'm sure you've heard that word being used, right, from Panther fans. Let's yep. tank and let's get the first pick. Let's make sure we lose every game. Let's not even try <laughs> to win. You can tell that that, that that has struck a nerve in that locker room. That they don't want to hear people like us on the outside saying, hey, we'd be best to lose these games. So I think there's an emotional kind of, I think Steve Wilkes has hit on something to really that these guys can rally around. So we'll see. My big question will be, can the offense be like that again next week? That would be my big question. We certainly hope so. Chris McClain, Mac Attack, WFNZ, thanks a lot for joining us. Stay with us. Hour number two is straight ahead. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. The heart of the Carolinas, an independent voice for liberty, an oasis of sanity and civility, a breath of fresh air. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program. Hour number two of our broadcast, and we've got a couple of very patient callers on the line. I will try to get to. Let's begin with Ralph out of the sprawling metropolis of Spartanburg. Good morning, Ralph. Hey, Vince. How are you today? Doing very well, sir. I'm so glad to speak with you. I heard you earlier talking about education and the cost and the loans and all. Yes. What I want to know, when did we give professors the right to write their own material? Because, see, that has driven cost up dramatically. Dramatically. Yes. Well, explain my this. What do you What do you mean by one semester? Okay, and then we had to buy a different book the next semester, and it was basically the same thing, paraphrased. <laughs> this whole book thing's a racket, isn't it, Ralph? Yeah, it's a racket. I mean, we had national curriculum when we were young. What's wrong with that? Well, I, I, I think. Again, this comes back to the idea of my conviction of all of this, Ralph. I think the whole thing's a racket. I really do. I think the whole thing as it relates to money, the amount of time that students have to spend, I think four years, uh, there's no reason in the world for these uh, general education requirements and these things that extend the time that you are there. Um, you know, what, what is that, all of that, what is all of that for? What does it accomplish? To me, I think it's job security for the people who are part of the educational complex. That's what this is about. It truly is. Yeah. Because, I, um, 
and you and the sad thing is ralph we don't hear voices of reform out there i don't hear any i know yeah they claim they're looking to reduce the cost <laughs> they want to reduce the cost they want to re reduce the liability to you by shifting it to other taxpayers that's how it works yeah, Ralph. And I see where the Mecklen County School has been pushing that curriculum that has people knowing how to be superstars. Oh, it's it's just wonderful, isn't it, Ralph? It's good to hear from you. Do call again sometime. Uh, very insightful, not surprising at all, but we'd love to hear from you again. Let's go out to Matthews, cross the border, come back in North Carolina with Clyde. Good morning, welcome. Good morning, Vince. Thanks for my call. We love your show. Thank you. Hey, you know the $10,000 they give to this uh, student debt relief, why didn't Biden come up with $10,000 on credit cards or $10,000 on medical bills? First of all, on the credit cards, we know that Delaware is the lead state for credit card companies, and we have to believe that the uh, hospitals got a hold of Biden because they're not going to give up $10,000 of uh, owed debt. <laughs> so why did they just come up and say, hey, 10000 for the kids, 10000 for the parents? Let's make this really equal for everybody. I Then again, Clyde, if, if they can figure out ways to, quote, give people money, they probably will. Uh, you know, if, if there's a political way to do this that's going to be beneficial for their careers, uh, you just never know. Because the cost to them is absolutely nothing, right? Correct. You're ultimately going to be the one who's going to pay for this. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> and if you don't think that, the public doesn't think that, they're really, uh, there's a bridge to nowhere in Alaska I'd like to sell you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I hear you, man. Hey, great to hear from you, Clyde. And uh, I think there are a lot of people out there raising these kinds of questions. They are just really basic, basic questions. Hmm. I'm trying to censor the text line as I go through. It was kind of funny. I was talking with someone the other day. It was like, how do you do that text line? You don't have anybody looking at these things in advance. Like, no, it's in real time. And I'm, yeah, just trying to be very careful. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. This texture, I think, put this up twice, wanting to make sure I saw it. Yes, I did see it. Vince, we're in crisis. Even Bloomberg is reporting the U.S. only has 25 days left of diesel in reserves. People are going to starve, get sick, and die, and it's planned. I'm hearing this everywhere. Just concerned about what's going on with our energy supply because, as you know, the president has decided to dip into our reserves again. Our reserve supply of energy which is supposed to be for emergencies. We don't have an emergency. You know what the emergency is? We have a senile old fool in the White House. That is the emergency. And unfortunately, this emergency is going to last, in the very least, until January 2025. God help us. God help us. I don't know what else to say about that. As you know, we had all of these lockdowns, and most states, unfortunately, locked down, forced businesses to close, kept students out of school, 
and I'm sure by now you're hearing about the price that's been paid by our children. This is not a surprise at all. USA Today reporting reading and math test scores fell across the U.S. during the pandemic. Is anybody surprised by this at all? Educators, community members, parents working to help kids catch up from pandemic-related learning loss through accelerated learning and high-dosage tutoring. National test scores published Monday prove a loss already felt in America's schools. Results from the National Assessment of Educational Progress show dramatic and sobering declines in math and reading scores for the nation's 4th and 8th graders. Laying bare the the ways the pandemic-related disruptions damaged American students' ability to learn. Folks, this was devastating. And frankly, it was senseless and needless. Should not have been done at all. Although federal officials who administered tests, also known as the nation's report card, typically caution against directly tying anything to students' performance on tests, this time around, National Center for Education Statistics Commissioner Peggy Carr did not hesitate to attribute historic, troubling declines to student achievement during the COVID-19 pandemic. Math scores for grades 4 and 8 on the nationally representative test showed the largest declines since testing started in 1990. Reading scores declined in both grades, too, since the onset of the pandemic. 2022 reading scores in fourth and eighth grade decreased by three points. 2019 average math scores in fourth and eighth grades decreased by five and eight points, respectively. This is not a small sample either. 446,700 students at 10,970 schools across all states at the beginning of the calendar year. 2022 results also show students with the lowest performing the lowest performing students performing even worse. The greatest concern more students scored at what are considered below basic levels. Not a pretty picture here and again this was needless. Didn't have to happen this way. We'll bring this home with a report on how things panned out in Charlotte-Mecklenburg schools. I don't have figures for other schools in the region, in the upstate, for instance. I'm sure if they're not available now, they will be. Stay with us. Over on the text line, by the way, it always drives me up the wall to hear our traffic person during commercials for food, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm hungry. (laughs) Over on the text line, wait a minute, I thought all the crisis we're facing now is supposed to happen under Trump. Thank you, Democrat voters. Then again. Trump stole the election from himself. Go figure. We're all screwed. (laughs) Good morning, Vince. I think we just need to be true to our beliefs. Society will take care of the rest. I don't think there is a winning team. Am I wrong? I don't ever remember Jesus saying, let's win one for the team. 
Mm-hmm. Good line. Very good line. The decline in testing for students isn't on the schools, but should be laid at the feet of the parents. As you point out, too many of your listeners are not college graduates and downplay the need for college. Pretty sure the very educated parents, students, performed well. You think so, huh? Hmm. Also, this text on our economic situation. Vince Bread, a dollar fifty at Walmart. Lita and Aldi, fifty cents. Really? The price is that good? It's very helpful because I need to do some grocery shopping today. For the break, I told you what's happening nationally with test scores. Charlotte Mecklenburg is out with its numbers. Student performance, according to the Charlotte Observer in Math and Reading, slid sharply since the start of the pandemic. The district has lost progress and made toward closing achievement gaps. According to data released today, CMS posted its worst scores on record in the 2022 National Assessment of Educational Progress. Percentage of students displaying at least basic reading and math skills now lower than in 2003. Oh, my goodness. When CMS started participating in this assessment, the district also saw achievement gaps between white and black and Hispanic students grow by double digits since 2003. In response to a request for comment, CMS officials said they take time to digest the data before discussing it. North Carolina's reading and math scores also dropped to the lowest level in three decades. The state's racial and socioeconomic achievement gaps on the exams wide, actually widen in several areas as well. This is not a surprise, folks. Not in the least bit. It goes back to what I said before doesn't need to be repeated this lockdown thing was a disaster it was a horrible disaster and our children have paid the price for it that's what it comes down to I want to uh, drift into politics now I told you folks that this to me is not a political issue It's really a humanitarian issue. I don't know what's wrong with Joe Biden. I suspect that the man is experiencing some effects of dementia. Now, after this latest piece of video, you cannot see this. You can hear what I'm about to share with you. But I kind of wonder whether this guy has a problem maybe with narcolepsy as well. I don't know. You can look this video up for yourself and tell me what you think. Or if you happen to see it already. So Joe Biden had an interview with MSNBC's Jonathan Capehart. Now, you've already heard that it's not official that he's running in 2024. He's waiting till later on. Now, it got disturbing when he was asked a question about what his wife thinks about this. Now, there's a pause here. Now, the pause can be attributed to what I've thrown out as a possibility, narcolepsy. Or there's some sort of mental lapse here. Or maybe um, he didn't want to answer the question because it was a probing question. 
He doesn't get those very often. Here is Joe Biden talking about 2024. Um, At least the words. You can tell me what you think. Listen up. The reason I'm not making a judgment about formally running or not running, once I make that judgment, a whole series of regulations kick in. And I have to be, I treat myself as a candidate from that moment on. I have not made that formal decision, but it's my intention. My intention to run again. And we have time to make that decision. Uh, Dr. Biden is for it. Mr. President. Oh, Dr. Biden thinks that... uh, my wife thinks that uh, that I uh, that that we're that we're doing something very important, and that I shouldn't walk away from it. Okay, what do you think? That was weird. It really was. It's weirder when you watch. You know, you kind of get the sense. That Jonathan Capehart is, it's almost like he's waking him up. Um, President Biden. Like he's getting his attention as if he's drifted off. Now, I, you know, I, I don't, I've acknowledged to you, I have my own sleep issues. I have experienced narcolepsy. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. You can be in the middle of a conversation with somebody, especially on the phone. And just drift off to sleep. <laughs> I could tell you stories, the funniest stories of conversations that people have told me they've had with me. Oh, you didn't remember saying that? No, I don't remember saying this. Didn't it hasn't happened as much recently, but it was years ago when I was even more sleep deprived than I am now. But what are your thoughts here? Do you think? There's an issue here of narcolepsy. Do you think there is a lapse here because of mental acuity? Or do you think he was afraid of answering the question that maybe Jill Biden, his wife, doesn't want him to run again? Or do you think it's a combination of all of those things? It's always possible. Maybe she doesn't want him to run again. And he really didn't want to answer that particular question for that reason. Kind of interesting stuff, isn't it? (laughs) Vince Nancy Pelosi thinks we should change the subject when it comes to inflation. I think we should change her. Well, the speakership could very well be changing in January. And I'll make a prediction to you. If the Democrats actually lose the House, I think she's going to retire. I wouldn't be surprised if she retires at the end of her speakership and goes back to San Francisco, which would be great. They can have her. This texter says the interviewer put him to sleep. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Picking on poor Jonathan Capehart. (laughs) Stay with us. And we are back. On the- oh my goodness! Let's see which text I can safely read here. 
I voted early. And just like two years ago, I had to place my votes in one machine, then manually put that paper ballot into another machine so the votes can be tabulated. All the years I've been voting at the same location, we never had two machine process. First saw this when I voted in 2020. Hmm. I was told then the second machine was because of the virus. I hope this two machine process is legit, but I'm very concerned because there's no virus restrictions this time right i don't know if that was correct information you were given to be honest with you just saying don't think that was the reason behind it think this is just new technology was there another text i was thinking it was safe to read here oh that one (laughs) so let me get this straight joe biden actually thinks he's actually doing something important Never thought I'd think a president could actually think destroying the country he was leading would be a positive endeavor. But what do I know? (laughs) And this one on Pelosi. Vince, I disagree. Pelosi will stay in office until they nail her coffin shut and bury it upside down. (laughs) My gosh. You guys are terrible. Should be ashamed of yourselves. Speaking of Joe Biden, I'm just telling you. I think the messaging is already underway with the assumption Republicans are going to get control of the House, at least the House. They're now preparing in their messaging to blame Republicans for the horrible economy. See, they make this a win-win. They screw things up, and then they blame all the consequences on Republicans. You don't believe me? Just listen to this nonsense from Joe Biden. This is what he's saying now about Republicans, even claiming Republicans are saying this. Listen up. Just this week, Republican leaders said if they get their way, they're going to extend the tax, the Trump tax cuts, which are due to expire in a couple of years. Extend them. They said they'll repeal the corporate minimum tax of just 15 percent that I just signed into law. 15 percent. They'd allow the largest and most prosperous corporations in America to go back to paying zero in federal income tax. The Republican plan would add about $3 trillion to the deficit. $3 trillion. That's their plan. The Republican leadership in Congress has made it clear. They will crash the economy next year by threatening the full faith and credit of the United States for the first time in our history, putting the United States in default unless unless we yield to their demand to cut Social Security and Medicare. You heard that one, right? You all heard them say that. That's what they're saying. Let me be really clear. I will not yield. I will not cut Social Security. I will not cut Medicare, no matter how hard they work at it. (laughs) You know, these folks, they are not creative at all. It's the same crap over and over and over again. This is what they do. How many years have you heard Republicans want to cut Social Security? They want to cut Medicare. They want to cut Medicaid. They want to starve your grandmother and have her eating out of a tuna fish can, a dog food can. I mean, come on. This is what they do. So they're already preparing to offload the garbage they've done onto Republicans. 
so nauseating. By the way, over on the text line, Vince had two family members come down from North Carolina. They voted early. No ID required. Cheating galore. Oh, boy. That's not good. (laughs) But there's no voter fraud. Remember that. No such thing. This is all an invention. One other quick thing I want to get to before we go. And one of the things I, what did I warn you about, folks? False binary choices. Here is an example. Liz Cheney, following up some comments from Kevin McCarthy, who's talking about pulling the plug on some of the funding for Ukraine. I think it's a legitimate conversation to have about whether we should be funding this, whether this is our place to fund this. Now we have Liz Cheney, who is going to an extreme, I believe, and making some derogatory comments about Kevin McCarthy. I'm not a fan of Kevin McCarthy. But listen to this. Well, look, the speaker is second in line to the presidency. And at every moment uh, since, frankly, the aftermath of the election in 2020, uh, when uh, Minority Leader McCarthy has had the opportunity to do the right thing or do something that serves his own political purpose, he always chooses to serve his own political purpose. And, you know, that extends to what we've seen just in the last few days with these comments about Uh, aid to Ukraine, the idea that somehow the party is now no longer going to support the Ukrainian people, which, you know, for somebody who has a picture of Ronald Reagan on the the wall of his office in the Capitol, uh, the notion that now Kevin McCarthy is going to make himself the leader of the pro-Putin wing of my party is just a stunning thing. Uh, It's dangerous. He knows better. But the fact that he's willing to go down the path of suggesting that America will no longer stand for freedom, Mm -hmm. I think, tells you he's willing to sacrifice everything for his own political gains. Now, I don't necessarily doubt this about Kevin McCarthy. I'm just being honest about this. I'm not a fan of this guy. Not in the least bit. But I also don't trust Liz Cheney. You want to talk about opportunism? And doing things for your own political purposes? <laughs> See, this this is the kind of thing that's very dangerous. Because what happens is people pick sides. Oh, you're on Liz Cheney's side. Oh, you're on Kevin McCarthy's side. Guess what? I am pick none of the above. Neither one of these people. And on this Russia versus Ukraine thing, I think I made it very clear. I hope Ukraine prevails. But it is a legitimate question as to whether we should be funding this. That's a legitimate question. And withdrawing funding does not mean that I am pro-Russia. This is childish. It's stupid. We need to have a legitimate conversation about this. Without these labels. Because they are not necessarily true. I don't know what Kevin McCarthy's position is on Russia. I doubt he's pro-Russian. What an idiot. Stay with us. This is the Vince Coakley Radio Program.